time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in our studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. We're doing something new beginning today. We're going to be doing cross time with Pastor Curtis on Monday mornings and Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time. We have been for the longest doing the Old Path Bible Study on Mondays and Thursdays. We've been teaching the book of Hebrews and we finished that a uh, week before last after a two years and four month uh, uh, period of verse by verse studying, you can find that on on the website uh, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can find it on the YouTube channel Curtis Hutchinson three sixteen, and uh, everything is out there. We've taught the, the entire book of Galatians, the entire book of Ephesians. We've taught other things so that it's out there. Go avail yourself. Don't just jump in in the middle. Go back. Start at the beginning. That way you can verse by verse learn the, the, the righteous, the truth of God's word in its righteous context, which means it will always be touching Calvary's cross. It, was all, it will always be touching the living word of God and what he did as the Lamb of God for us at Calvary. So again, Mondays and Fridays from now on until the Lord changes it at 9 a.m. Central Time, it'll be cross time with Pastor Curtis, and we'll be studying 1 Peter, and we're in chapter 3 today. So go ahead and get your Bibles, and while you're getting your Bibles, unless you're working or driving, I just want to say what a grand time I had this weekend with young Pastor Andrew here with us. And he ministered with me yesterday, and yesterday afternoon he was on our cross-examination uh, board, board or uh, panel. And uh, we, are, we have two sessions now out there for uh, you to watch uh, concerning God's focus of his righteousness. It's so important that you begin to understand and learn righteousness. The cr most Christians know very little about that, even if it's only one or two things. They, we need to know a lot more about righteousness. So we're just excited about everything the Lord's doing. And by the way, that was two weeks in a row, two weekends in a row, that I was able to minister with Andrew last weekend. We were in uh, Dublin, Georgia. I know I called it Florida uh, Wednesday night because we're, we're, sometimes it's like a, if you're traveling, sometimes you get places mixed up. But because we are going to Naples, Florida. I'm going to Naples, Florida with the Peace family. Uh, in a couple of weekends, the first weekend in May. We'll be there with Pastor Mahari Warfield and the great uh, congregation there, a young congregation, a year-old celebration. We'll be celebrating with them their one-year anniversary and a young congregation learning the Word of God in the context of the living Word of God and, and, and what he did as the Lamb of God for us. What a privilege, what a blessing and an honor it is to be among Christians who are of that like precious faith. And uh, we're just looking forward to being there with them 
for that first weekend of May coming up real quick. And uh, so you can find the details on the, on the Facebook pages, mine or uh, Mahari Warfield, uh, and you'll see where we're going to be, the times of the service and the services and all that. We'd love to have you with us there. Come and be a part of those services if you're anywhere near there. Also, the first weekend in June, uh, myself and Robin, and the Peace family will be traveling up to Voorhees, New Jersey. Uh, we have a wonderful family there, the Andres, who live in Sicklerville, New Jersey. And there's other people who are coming to the meetings there in Voorhees, New Jersey. So again, if you want information for that, look on my Facebook page, either the Curtis Hutchinson page or the Pastor Curtis page. You'll see the, the postings there and find the place, the hotel, conference room, and the times. And we're just going to worship the Lord and, and hear the word of the Lord and just have a great time of communion in the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. You don't want to miss these meetings. And we're just thankful for the opportunity to keep the fire burning, the fires of the message of the cross, the great gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever message there can be 10,000 sermons, but the message in every sermon must be Christ crucified. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of that reality, my friends. And uh, we, will, we will continue to march on in this great truth until I take my last breath here on this earth. And uh, we, we've got to keep, we've gotta keep the, the fire burning and the, and the bread fresh on the table. And that happens only as we break open God's word and touch the sacrifice of the lamb. That's the only way it happens. It can't happen any other way. And I'm thankful to know that today. And for all of those who are marching along with us in this great effort to get the great truth of Calvary out to see a lost world saved and a backslidden church awakened unto righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, uh, grab your Bibles and let's look this morning in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 18. And I pray the Lord touch be upon us this morning that he would impart truth into our heart. He desires to do it more than we desire for him to do it. I pray that he would impart the truth of his word, that he would brighten the light of Christ in our hearts today. That is what we need. It doesn't happen without the word. It doesn't happen without the word of God. It doesn't happen without the truth of God's word. It doesn't happen without the gospel truth of God's word. It does not ever happen without the word of the truth of the gospel. It will not happen any other way. You must have the word of the Lord that faith may come because we've learned that when faith comes, faith overcomes. Hallelujah. Our faith is that which overcomes. Praise God. So let's look this morning. First Peter chapter 3. This is part 9 of this third chapter that we are teaching. And here we go. Verse 18, 1 Peter chapter 3. For Christ also has suffered once for sins, our sins. The just, Christ, for the unjust, us, that he might bring us to God, being put to death 
in the flesh, but quickened, made alive by the Spirit. Such beautiful words to our souls today. I pray and I hope for you that the message of what God in Christ did for you at Calvary is not growing old. If it is, we'll be moved into flaked out things and we'll become very confused. But when what God did in Christ on Calvary's cross all stays before us. It's what our eyes stay on. The fire will continue to burn and confusion will stay on the outskirts. Uh, confusion will not be in our hearts. Uh, how many of you know that God says he's not the author of confusion? That means the word of God will never confuse us. I may be confused within myself, but what brings that confusion every time is a mixture, a mixture. If it's just God's Word, and I believe God's Word means what it says and points me to where the Holy Spirit is always pointing me to Christ and His sacrifice, I won't be confused. I get confused when I start mixing other things with God's Word. And, and we're just now as a church, believe me, I'm telling you the truth. We're just now as a church beginning to step into the reality that we don't have to put the cross down to learn about faith or forgiveness or repentance or uh, 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 raising children up in the way that and giving, uh, uh, mercy, any topic, any teaching that comes from God's word. We don't have to put the cross down. If we do, that's where we get confused. We must deny self at every moment take the cross up and into walk into what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us in the Word. We can't see it properly unless we're looking at Calvary. It can't be imparted unless it's being imparted through our faith in the death of Jesus. And I always need to say that. In every Bible study, in every message, you need to be looking for the, the touch of redemption. You need to be looking for the touch of redemption. Without it, there is confusion on the table. There's a mixture. Uh, there, there need never be confusion. God's word cannot confuse us. He's not the author of confusion, and he is the author of his word. So it's only when I, I put a mixture into it that, I, that, I, that I'm confused. I may not understand some things, but I'm never confused because of God's word. I'm confused because I'm trying to mix something with it. Or I don't quite, uh, really, basically, that's what, confusion is it's it's so I'm, I'm listening to one voice and then I'm listening to another voice and I'm confused because I'm hearing two different things but if I'll just listen to the spirit of truth who will teach me and guide me into all truth which must always be touching the redemption plan of God because it's not just God's word it's God's word in truth that liberates us that means it's God's word in Christ Jesus and what he did through my faith there and what he did at Calvary, that will bring me into the will of God for my life. We know that the Holy Spirit works exclusively within the perimeters of one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Outside of that exists only law that he can't work in. He can only keep reaching for us, trying to pull us out from under the law of any sort, but he can't even do that. Hear me. 
He can't even do that unless he can get us to look to Calvary. For that is his pull out, his pull, his deliverance for us out from underneath any law, any law, and to bring us under grace. So let's look at this today, and, 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 and let me make sure we understand what I just said. God, God's word cannot confuse us. A man's commentary versus another or two or three men's commentaries, I can get confused. But if I'll just read God's word, and here comes the real mystery. If I'll let God's word, his truth, teach me his word, his truth. If I'll let the truth of God's word teach me the truth of God's word, I'll be blessed and I won't be confused. Amen? Now, sometimes we walk in a place of ignorance, meaning we don't know, we don't understand. But if we'll just keep allowing the truth of God's word to teach us, just like the truth taught us in the beginning, the anointing that is truth at which we were taught by and received in the beginning, John wrote about in 1 John chapter 2, then we'll be, we'll be less and less confused because we'll be allowing less and less of a mixture. The one thing that will remove the confusion is if that is when you come to the conclusion that your faith has to be touching the death of Jesus. You, that has to be where your faith is. So then the Holy Spirit can teach you the Word of God in truth, meaning in Christ. How it relates to Christ, and it has the Holy Spirit has to teach you the Word that relates to Christ, how it relates to Christ. Because you and I are in him. And unless we see the Holy Spirit teaching us and revealing Christ to us, then we're not ever going to understand and be able to walk in the word properly because we're not seeing how it relates to the one we are in. Okay? It's that, it, that, that's, what make, that's why the, the Holy Spirit calls it the simplicity of Christ. If it's not the simplicity of Christ, it's going to be great confusion and chaos and confusion. Hear me very carefully. Confusion always, always leads to a life of contradiction. A contradiction. I'll see this in the Word, but my life won't measure up. And I'm not talking about, well, nobody's perfect. We're not. I'm talking about for years we can know how we should be carrying our lives out and making excuses that, well, nobody's perfect. But we know in our hearts uh, that's a factual statement, but we should be maturing. We should be growing. We should be uh, becoming more like Christ. Our lives should be that which reflects uh, the conduct of our lives, first, uh, uh, not first, but Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 tells us that our lives, the conduct of our lives should be becoming the gospel. Hallelujah. So uh, let me say it again before we dig in this morning. Confusion always brings us into a life of contradiction. And contradiction will frustrate us and anger us. And why is this not working? And uh, why is this not happening? And I know it should be. And, and we, we, we read things in the Bible and we know the, something's not right. And, and there will be a contradiction there. And it's always the result of confusion. Confusion. God's not the author of any of that. He's the author of his word. Amen. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, 
Christ is through what he did at the cross. Think about that. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith through what he did at Calvary. So our faith in any portion of God's word has got to be anchored in where he authored and finished our faith at Calvary when he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Hallelujah. So look here in verse 18, 1 Peter chapter 3. For Christ also has once suffered for sins. The just, that's Christ, suffered for the unjust, that's us, that he might bring us to God. Nobody's ever come to God. And I'm not talking about how the devil at one time could approach God and get permission to, to do certain things. And, but that was even at God's beckoning. And let me tell you something. Don't nothing happen that God doesn't allow to happen. If God don't want it to happen, it ain't going to happen, honey. And that's, that's true. Now, I'm not talking about you having a free moral, uh, you being a free moral human being, you, you being able to choose, and you can choose to do today anything you want to do, but you don't get to choose the consequences of that. So he's talking, this is, this is, a, this is the context of salvation. So Christ suffered for our sins so we could be saved because he's the just, the only one who's perfectly just and was able to take our sin upon him and suffer in his flesh for us that we might be forgiven and made the righteousness of God in him so that he could bring us to God. When Jesus went home, he took us with him. That's clearly written in the Bible when the Bible tells us that we are seated with him in heavenly places. When he went home, we went home. When he was crucified, our faith in him, the Bible teaches, allows us to be crucified with him, buried with him, and raised to newness of life with him, in him. Romans chapter 6. So he was put to death in the flesh, but he was quickened, made alive by the Spirit of God. Everything he did was by the Spirit of God. Hebrews 9 and 14 says that what he did at Calvary, the shedding of his blood, was done through the eternal Spirit. Every moment of the life of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, every second of his life, every moment of his life, Everything was carried out by the Spirit of God through his yielding to the Spirit of God, the leading of the Spirit in his life based on the Word of God, the Old Covenant writings. He carried out completely every jot and tittle. He fulfilled it all, never having sinned in any way, form, or fashion from the time of his birth through his teenage years. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. We don't need teenage years to act a fool. We was born acting the fool. Crying every time we didn't have what we wanted and didn't get our way. I'm telling you, but Jesus lived an entire life, hear me this morning, moment by moment, without fail, submitted and yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
something we only long to do, even as Christians, us who have even been baptized with the Spirit of God, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we still only long for a, 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 just an experience of moment by moment leading of the Spirit. We have the leading, is potent, it's there, but our willingness to follow that leading. My friends, that that is just... We want that to be moment by moment, but even as spirit-filled Christians who know the way of the cross is the answer, the one object of faith is the answer for all things and all the experience of God's will in our lives. We still, because we're trapped in this body, we still have free moral choice. We still choose at times not to believe, not to trust, rather to fear or to fear men or to fear something we we choose now we don't like it when we do that but we can praise God that when even we find ourselves unfaithful there is one who has never been unfaithful and it's his faithfulness that I praise God for because it's his faithfulness that becomes my faithfulness even in my unfaithfulness. Hallelujah. It's his faithfulness that I, when I find myself unfaithful and, and experiencing some experiential of being unjust, even though I am just, what I'm doing is not just before God. I'd reach for my Jesus. I reach for the one who is always just, who gave his just life for the unjust, that we might be made just, hallelujah, before God. And we are justified before God even when we're doing things that are not that do not have his approval or his justifying stamp on our fruit, we yet remain just before him. And I'm thankful for that. That, that, that it, A lot of people don't believe that. They say that, that teaching like this just gives people a license to sin. But my friend, if you have a heart after the one that came with a heart after you, you don't want to walk in sin. You want to be pleasing to him. So there is a license to sin. Those people that are looking for a license to sin, they don't need teaching like this. They're going to find whatever they want in that carnal flesh that's leading and guiding them to live a life full of sin. But that's really not a true Christian. That's really not a true Christian. I know that Christians can be found backslidden in a state like that. I've been there. I know that Christians can be far, far out there, no fruit at all, and, and maybe even be found mad at God for whatever reason. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't still love them, that the potential is not still there for in the moment for them to be reunited and refreshed and renewed in the plan of God. God's not waiting for you to get everything right. He's just waiting for you to acknowledge He is right in what He did through the giving of His Son on the cross for you. You don't have to even know the deep theological truths of Jesus and what he did at Calvary, although you have, should have a heart that desires to learn everything you can about your God and your Savior and what the cross really means because we can't exhaust it all. But you, you listen, you don't have to know the deep theological things of God. All you have to do is just take one glance 
and, and surrender and yield your heart to who you are to the reality of God's only answer being Jesus Christ and his death for you at Calvary. When your heart surrenders to that, my friend, it doesn't matter how far away you are from God and how much fruit you have that is rotten. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you can be restored, refreshed, renewed because it's not about what you're doing or not doing. It's about what he did and you acknowledging that begins to allow you to bear fruit of the Holy Spirit the only fruit that God will justify through a justified vessel that he's already carried out when you believe the first time hallelujah this is good news for the backslidden Christian I've been there this is good news for the preacher who wakes up under righteousness and realize he's thrown away 20, 30, 40 40, 50 years of preaching law, opening God's word and pointing people to everything they must be found doing without teaching them, without even knowing himself the way in which the Holy Spirit works. You can be restored, refreshed, and renewed the moment you admit in your heart that God's only way is the sacrifice. I remember standing in that old warehouse back in 2003 and, and finally coming to that conclusion that, okay, and it was either the end of 2003, I think it was, the very end of or the beginning of 2004, and, and coming to that conclusion that the answer for everything is the cross of Christ. And I, I, I just said, okay, Lord, I believe it. I believe the cross is the answer for salvation, initial salvation, salvation, daily experience, and fruit-bearing of salvation. I didn't understand it like I, nowhere near like I should and, and still have a million years of learning, if not more, ahead of me. But all I had to do was in the heart acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ was the answer I'd been looking for for everything. All the mess that had been made, it would not have been there had the cross been center stage. At least not in the way that it had been. There will be messes after you come to Calvary and stay there, but it won't be messes that, that, that would have been made without this great truth. And all I did was say, Lord, I get it now. The cross is your answer for everything. And I said, but Lord, how am I going to preach this the rest of my life? And he didn't respond to me in that moment, but he has every day since that moment. Every time I open my Bible, there he is pointing me to his son and what his son did at Calvary. The word of God bleeding red from Genesis to Revelation. That scarlet thread running through every chapter and every verse. I can't help who don't understand that. I'm learning to understand it. I can't help who doesn't see it and who doesn't like the statement. 
I'm learning to love that reality. Hallelujah. I'm learning to do more than say there's a scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to show me that scarlet thread touching every chapter, every verse, every jot, every tittle so that it can be applied to my heart. Hallelujah. All God's looking for is just a heart that says the cross is the answer. Nothing else is the answer. The cross is the answer. Nothing else is the answer. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, the Lord's looking for those. He can awaken unto righteousness, the righteousness of his word that comes through faith and the sacrifice. Hallelujah. And there, everything will begin to fall in place. There, the revival takes place. There, the fire is kindled. There, the will of God begins to be carried out by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And there, the fruit comes into being, and there, my friends, is the only place the fruit can remain. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. For Christ also has once suffered, and he says this because he's been teaching us about our suffering through believing. Because we're believers of Christ. The Bible says, Yea, that all that believe in Christ shall suffer persecution. All that shall, all that shall believe in Christ Jesus. It says, All that shall live godly in Christ Jesus. That means through faith in the sacrifice shall suffer persecution. That's what he's been teaching before we get to here. And he says, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. That's where he suffered, being put to death in the flesh. But he was quickened, made alive by the Spirit, watch now, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, this is a place where there's a lot of different thought, a lot of different commentary written. Some commentaries say that he was preaching to fallen angels, the ones that were chained in the lower regions in darkness because of what they did to the daughters of men. You can read about in the book of Genesis and, and taking on the, the nature of men and some renowned men, I'd say, and, 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 and having their way with the daughters of, of men and producing the Nephilim. And some say, some commentaries say, and I'm not going to jump on either side, and I'll show you why. But I, I, I really don't believe at this point there's any way to know. But I've said that before and later stepped into a place of knowing. But the truth, I mean, the, the honest heart has to say at times, I just don't know. And that's why most commentaries all will say, some believe or most think or because some things in the Bible we just don't know and we have to come to that conclusion. And maybe later, even in this life, we may know or it may not be until we're with the Lord that we find out or at that point we may not even care anymore. Hallelujah. But some commentary writers say that he, this is talking about Jesus went and preached to the fallen angels who are, according to the scriptures, those that uh, did what they did among the daughters of men and produced the Nephilim are chained in the lower regions of the earth in darkness because of that. And some people 
commentary writers say that they preached to the spirits of men there who were at one time disobedient. And we'll read that in just a minute. But let me just say this to at this point, at least in our studies, and, and before I say this, let me say this that a lot of, uh, back to what I said earlier, a lot of confusion comes by reading this commentary, that commentary. Nothing wrong with doing that. I believe we should be students. I believe we should read commentaries of others who've gone before us, who lay uh, uh, knowledge out before us. But we have to weigh everything and we have to make all of our judgment righteous judgment, meaning we have to look through the cross of Christ, the righteous one and the righteous work he did there. We have to see it all in that light according to the scriptures. Amen? So uh, so there's nothing wrong with studying behind several commentary writers, but when they say different things, we can't just go with one of them because we like them. We, at the end of the day, we have to still say, well, I don't know either. But we can find out in the Word what it is we can know, what it is we can walk in, what it is we can allow the Lord to impart to our hearts. And uh, so, so watch this now. Jesus went immediately, and we need to know that. He went immediately. When Jesus died, he was preaching. When Jesus died, he was immediately preaching. Where he was going, remember he told the thief on the cross that believed upon him and began to rebuke the other thief for not believing upon him. That's what happens when you start believing. You start bringing rebukes to those who are uh, should be believing. Amen? In Christ. Hallelujah. That's the proof. You know, a lot of people say, well, the thief on the cross didn't have any works. Yeah, he did. He, went, he immediately went to rebuking that unbelieving thief and uh, on, on, on the cross on the other side of Jesus. But... Jesus told that believing thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus died. He was immediately in paradise. Just like every other person who had lived under the old covenant, even up until that time, that moment, they died They as believers. They didn't go to heaven. They went to paradise because the, the blood of Jesus had not yet been Shed only the blood of animals, which were a temporary thing, pointing to that which would be the real thing. And so there had to be a temporary holding place. It was called Abraham's bosom. It was called paradise. And Jesus, you can read it in Ephesians 4, went and those that were captive, he went and captured them unto himself and led them into liberty and freedom. He led them out. And the Bible says in Matthew 27 that they walked right into Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Now, I can't wrap my mind around that, but my Bible says it, so I believe it, whether I can understand it or even picture it. And I'm sure I couldn't picture it right, but my Bible says that they were come up out of the graves. They come up out of paradise because that's what coming up out of the grave means. That's where they were, and they walked into Jerusalem. Now, that's pretty powerful. That's, that shows, I believe, the power of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some would say, well, no, that shows the power of his resurrection. But my friend, never make a mistake and think that the resurrection had any power that did not emanate 
from what happened on the cross. The cross of Christ is the power of the resurrection. Hallelujah. The resurrection would not have happened without the cross, but it had to happen because of the cross. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So Jesus, when he died in the flesh, his spirit was immediately, by the Spirit of God, in paradise preaching. And here's what we need to know about this because at this point, I'll say for me personally, I don't know who the spirits were there in prison who he was preaching to because there are many commentary writers that say different things. And, I mean, I, there may be a time later on that we step into the reality, but it will come from Scripture. It won't be a thought or a opinion. It will be Scripture that explains this Scripture. And it's probably there, my friends. We just haven't stepped into it yet. That's the way it is with a lot of truth, a lot of reality, and a lot of different beliefs is because we haven't stepped into the truth. God is still unfolding the truth of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you know that. It's out there. He said, Jesus told us when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into a little bit of truth. No, He didn't say that, did He? He said He'll guide you into all truth. That means today in my life, in your life, we should be experiencing more truth, but it's always going to be tied to that truth which liberates Truth always liberates, and there is no liberation just from words. The liberation comes by faith in the Word where the liberation is found, and that's in the blood of Jesus. There is no liberty and freedom unless we're still standing in that place where Christ made us free, where he liberated us, which was our faith in his death. Words, the words in the Bible have no power if our feet are not still standing in that place wherewith Christ made us free. If, if that's not where we're standing and that's not the, 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 the tangible, uh, deliberate, and conscious uh, place our faith is in, then we will experience only the law of the word and its legalities instead of the law of the spirit of the word. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So we have to go with what we have and what we do have, and I'm thankful to be able to share it with you today, is that we know that Jesus went <coughs> and he preached to the spirits in prison. And because we really, I won't say we, you may, but I don't have the revelation or the illumination of exactly, according to the scriptures, who that is. And if you know, please share it wherever you can share it where I can later see it and, and, and say hallelujah, praise be to God. But we really don't need an opinion. What we need is scripture showing us scripture. Without that... Uh, it will mean nothing to me, and I hope it would mean nothing to you because we don't just follow men. We follow men who are following Christ, and those men are receiving revelation from Christ because they're denying self, taking up the cross. The only place revelation can come is into those lives. You do understand the only place we can be taught, the only time we can be taught by the Lord is, is through self-denial and taking up the cross and following him. 
Because Jesus says in Luke 14, 26 and 27, if you don't take your cross up and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Disciple means learner. We cannot be learning. We can be, as Paul told Timothy, in the last days, the, the last uh, season of this time we're living in, they will ever be learning but they will not be coming to the knowledge of the truth. They won't be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why won't they be able to come to the knowledge of the truth? Because the object of faith is not what allows them to experience true learning of truth. Millions are learning, ever learning, ever learning, something new every day, week, month, and year, ever learning, but they're not able to come to the knowledge, the experiential knowledge, the experience of the liberating truth because their faith is not in the one thing that allows them to experience the liberty and the freedom of the word of truth written in the Bible, and that is the death the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to make sure that we allow Scripture to teach us Scripture, the truth of the Scripture to teach us the truth of the Scripture. I've done it many times in my life. I've fallen prey to just listening to men and taking men's word for them because they did teach me other things that were right. But I am still learning. I said I am still learning to be very aware and cautious of just comments that are made that are opinions and only thoughts that don't have scripture tied to them in the right context. So that's a dangerous thing. You have to be very aware of what you're doing. You can be following a ministry because they taught you right things, but then all of a sudden there's opinions and only thoughts there that's not true teaching truth. And truth has to be the teacher of truth. I'm going to say that again. That's so beautiful. Truth must be the teacher of truth, or we're not learning truth. The spirit of truth will only teach you truth. And if you're learning truth, you're experiencing liberty, meaning your faith is in the sacrifice of Christ and not any programs, events, conferences, anything else, N nothing else, nothing, nothing but what made you righteous and made you a servant of righteousness. So watch this. You remember the story that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus dying. Lazarus going to Abraham's bosom, paradise, the same place our Jesus went the moment he died. But the rich man, he went to a place of torment. He went to hell. And there was a great abyss between them. And we know from what Jesus taught us that the man, rich man who died and went to a place of torment, hell, he could see Abraham. He could see that Lazarus was there and he, was, he, he, he could talk to them. He asked Abraham to allow Lazarus to bring him a drop of water. He still, listen, he still had the mentality of Lazarus needed to be serving him, bring him a drop, drop of water on his tongue. Think about that. He didn't ask Abraham for a drop of water. Think about that. He still couldn't see right, and people in hell still can't see right. They know some things, but they still don't know what they should have known all along. So the point I want to bring out in this is Jesus went to this 
he went to paradise. We know he went there. That's where he told the thief he would see him that day. Not three days later, that day. You'll be with me today in paradise. And Jesus, when he died, he immediately was found preaching to the spirits that were there in prison. Now, here's what we know. Here's what we do know. That when Jesus was there preaching for three days and three nights, he was in the belly of the earth that Jonah typified. And Jesus gave that reference as what was going to happen to him and how long he was going to be there. He was preaching and everybody there heard him. Everybody there heard him. Whether it was the angels who were chained in the lower regions there in darkness whether it was the, the spirits of men who were disobedient and, and found uh, lost and in a place of torment, or even if it was over there in paradise. When Jesus preached from where he was at, everybody heard him because there was communication that could be heard in, in that time from, from both places. Abraham talked to the, the rich man. The rich man talked to Abraham. They could communicate, although they couldn't get to each other where each other were, but they could communicate. So this we know for sure. No matter who this means that Jesus was preaching unto these, these spirits who were disobedient at one time, which verse 20 tells us, everybody there heard him. Hallelujah. Everybody there heard Jesus preaching. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Because they could hear, they could communicate. We see that in the story Jesus told in Luke, I believe it's chapter 16. But now, my friends, hell, Isaiah said, has enlarged itself. Now, I don't know if that means that uh, I know it does mean that it was made not for men, but just for the fallen angels and all the demons. But men now are choosing to go there. And that way it has enlarged itself. But maybe it means it has even taken over across the great abyss and taken over even what was in the lower regions called paradise. Because when we die now, we don't go to paradise. There's nobody in paradise. There's nobody in a, in a, in a Satan's place called purgatory, the Bible says those that who believed upon Christ, when we die in a moment, when we die, we're in the presence of the Lord. When these bodies lay down now, our spirit and soul does not go to paradise, does not go to what Satan tells the people today, there's a purgatory. That's a lie. You're in, if you're a Christian, the moment you die, you are where Jesus is, in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to know that's what your Bibles say. So I wanted to bring that out this morning because it's important. We may not know as precisely what the Bible says here in verse 20, and let's look at it, which at one time he preached to the spirits in prison. Immediately he was preaching. When, he, when Jesus died, he was preaching. In the twinkling of an eye, the next moment, he didn't go to paradise, I don't believe, wander around, try to figure out what his message was going to be and visit with everybody that was there. I, Jesus was on a mission, and the moment he died, the next moment, twinkling of an eye, he was preaching. And I believe he preached for three days and three nights. I believe he was. I believe it's probably the longest message ever held and ever has been preached was Jesus preaching, I believe, there for three days and three nights. And I believe everybody on the paradise side, everybody on on the torment side, everybody there could hear him because we know they could hear each other. 
We know that. So I, so let's read verse 19 and move into verse 20 today. Maybe the Lord will impart something to us as we move through here. I always ask for him to, do, him to do that and believe he will. By which also he, Jesus, went and preached unto the spirits in prison. By which also means by the same spirit that, that quickened him, made him alive from the dead. That same spirit quickened him, and immediately by that same spirit, he was preaching unto the spirits that were in prison there, which at, which at one time were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Now, personally, I don't believe that the spirits there in prison that had been disobedient is talking about those on the side of paradise because had they been disobedient, they, they wouldn't have been in paradise. Come on now, somebody. See, we learn it a little bit even as we go, aren't we? We learn it a little bit as we go because the side of paradise wasn't a group of disobedient people, all, although all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have been disobedient, but everybody on the paradise side was considered by God to be obedient because they had accepted the one the promised Redeemer who would come and be obedient for them. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So now we're seeing maybe the direction of who he was preaching to was on the disobedient side there. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. So we're not real sure if it was the, the, the lost souls who were there who weren't disobedient or the, the fallen angels who were in the lower regions in darkness chained there, the Bible says. But I, I, I believe because of what we're seeing here that which sometime were disobedient, God didn't see the people on the paradise side as disobedient. He, he saw them obedient because their faith was in a coming Redeemer who would be obedient for them unto God and then come and get them and lead them out, hallelujah, and take them home because they were found obedient through faith in the Redeemer. So the ones that were preached to, I believe, because of what we're seeing here, was on the other side. But know this, everybody there heard the three-day and three-night message of Jesus. Everybody there on the paradise side and the torment side heard the longest message anybody has ever heard, a three-day and a three-night message. Hallelujah. Jesus was not laid up suffering. He was not laid up in torment as liars teach today. Jesus did the work, finished the work, declared it finished on the cross in his suffering and in his death. Hallelujah. There on the tree, he began his reign over all principalities and powers. There on on the tree he defeated them. There on the tree, Colossians 2, 14 through 16, Jesus made an open show triumphing over all principalities and powers in his cross. Not when he got home on the throne. He did that in the cross. He didn't have to go to hell and suffer and be tormented to finally break loose out of that as false, lying, lying preachers today. Ministers of Satan teach that, my friend. And if you're following that kind of teaching, you're not following the Lord Jesus Christ of the Bible, that's another Jesus. Let me say this today. If you've got a Jesus that's got a divine mother called Mary... 
you're not following my Jesus of the Bible. If you're following a Jesus that had to suffer in hell and he didn't pay the price completely on Calvary's cross, you're not following my Jesus of the Bible. And you'll never understand the Bible because you're not saved yet. If you think Christ was defeated at Calvary, you're not saved yet. You're not saved by what he went and did in paradise. He led those that were there out of there. You're saved by believing that he conquered sin on the cross in his death. Listen, let me say it again. If you got a Jesus who is defeated at Calvary, you're following a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And those men you're following, and that's really all you're following is men who are following Satan. Because, listen, it, Jesus wouldn't have told me, I deny, I got to deny myself, take up my cross. That's talking about what he did in his, on his cross. That's the only cross there is. My cross is not my sickness and my bankruptcy and my divorce and my whatever. My cross is the cross of Christ. I was crucified with him. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. And so if I see Jesus as defeated on Calvary's cross, that's not the Jesus of the Bible that began his reign there on the cross. Glory to God. He actually began that reign before the foundation of the world because that's when the, the lamb was truly slain. But the manifestation of his victory, his reigning, his defeat over all the devil's army was not in hell. The manifestation of that victory and triumph was in his death through a humble and obedient man who was simply not retaliating to all that was done to him, but as a lamb led to the slaughter, the, uh, the just, uh, suffering and dying, and in his death justifying the unjust. Hallelujah. You ought to be shouting the high praises of God today. Glory be to the lamb. Hallelujah. But look at this which at one time were disobedient, when once the long-suffering, at that time, the long-suffering of God, the patience of God waited, even in the days of Noah, hoping there would be more that would be saved, just like today, while the ark was a-preparing, just like today. This is spiritually symbolic of those who are coming into Christ today through the right preachers, the message of the preachers of righteousness, the preachers who are pointing to the cross and only the cross for all things, initial salvation and daily experience of salvation. But God was patient. He was long-suffering as he, he waited. God was waiting. He's waiting now on every soul in the world who's breathing because Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men, Hebrews 2 and 9. Look at this. But he was patiently waiting even in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared wherein few, a few. Jesus came and taught it. There will be few that find this straight gate because it's not Jesus and. It's Jesus crucified, period. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's the door God reaches through to bring you in. And it's the only door that you can reach through to offer God anything you're offering Him. Jesus is that door. And the sacrifice is the hinge that makes that door open for every man. Hallelujah. To come in or to offer God anything, it must be the door of the sacrifice of Christ. Watch this. We're in few. That is eight Eight souls were saved 
by water. Eight souls were saved by the water that destroyed the world, the same water that flooded the earth and destroyed the world. That same water saved the eight souls. That water flooded the earth and that ark raised up being a symbolic sign of those who were in the Redeemer. And my Lord God raised them up above the flooded waters and saved them. Let me tell you something profound today, my friend. It was not the ark that saved the eight. It was the Redeemer. Hallelujah. It was their faith in the Redeemer because that That's what got them in the ark. My Lord, that's good. It was beyond what men could see. It was beyond what men could see. Yes, they had to be on that wooden boat that day to be able to rise above. But what it was that got them in that boat, in that ark, is what saved them. That Redeemer, hallelujah. And the same water that destroyed the world was the same water that raised them up above and kept them above the destruction. Just like when God through Moses brought the the, the Israelites to the Red Sea and spread that water apart and walked them through that water and then when he got them through he saved them by bringing them through that water and then that same water flooded and destroyed the entirety of Pharaoh's Egyptian army. My friend, are you in that ark today? Are you in Christ Jesus? Do you know what that means? Listen, if you can't explain it, you might not be in him. You need to get you a Bible. And you need to get in the word so that you can learn what in Christ means. Because it's not, listen, Noah, old man, Noah built that ark for over a hundred years. Maybe even the Bible says a hundred and twenty. But he was a preacher of righteousness. Ever naked. He was nailing. He was thinking about that Redeemer. He was a preacher of righteousness and nobody was listening. Only the seven family members. There were other family members. I'm sure Noah had brothers and sisters. I'm sure his wife had brothers and sisters. I'm sure that there were other people, that there were family members, but only eight came into the ark because only eight really trusted and believed that God had a Savior he promised. And if you You'd believe in him. You'd get in that ark and you'd become a builder of that ark. Hallelujah. Those who believe in Christ today are found building today. God is building his church and we are co-laborers along with him. Hallelujah. In the process of what he is doing, we've been saved by the grace of God. The same sacrifice of Christ that saved us will condemn the rest of the world. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Noah condemned condemned the world by the faith he had in the coming Redeemer. The Bible says that in Hebrews 11, that Noah condemned the world. It wasn't, he didn't preach a message of condemnation, but the message of righteousness that he did preach, the rejection of it brought the condemnation they sowed upon their own selves, that God would have to condemn them because they were self-condemning in God's eyes. They would not believe the message of righteousness. And you and I need to know today that the cross of Christ, which has saved us. That same cross of Christ is that which will condemn everybody else. When we look at the cross, we see salvation and we come running into Christ, into 
this righteous one. Hallelujah. He is that strong tower that we come running into. Glory be to God. The cross is what makes his name a strong tower to us. Jesus means Savior, and he did that at Calvary. But those who reject that ark that God built and manifested on Calvary's hill, those who reject that will be condemning themselves for a lifetime, not a lifetime, an eternity of condemnation and shame and fear and horrors and unspeakable torments. Listen, the same cross that saved us, the same Christ that saved us, those who reject him and that work there and that work alone for salvation will be condemned for all eternity because that is what they rejected. That is what saves, but yet that same thing is against all those who will not believe. I hope the Lord has blessed you today and encouraged you in the light of the truth that we have in our Bibles. I hope that you would pray and seek God for your place in the body of Christ and that you would ask him for a holy boldness and confidence today to begin to share his word like never before. That you would ask him to show you the great truths of Jesus Christ crucified in the Bible and that your heart would become determined to know absolutely nothing else. I pray that would be the case for you. I pray that God's will would be carried out. God's will for your life. Your, your, your life, His will being carried out by His Spirit according to His Word for His glory in your life cannot happen without a deliberate and a conscious faith in the sacrifice of Christ. I hope you've been encouraged and I hope that you would hit the share button and share these teachings with all the world who will find out there is a place called Calvary. There is a Savior named Jesus. There is an ark to come running into today. And his name is Jesus. And what opens that door to that ark is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful to know that. Help us share the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord stirs your heart to be a part of this ministry, then pray for us and pray for us daily. Every time the Lord stirs your heart concerning us, pray for us. And if he stirs your heart to give to this ministry, that's between you and him. And you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. That's the website. Or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you Friday morning again at 10 a.m. Central Time for the, further, the furtherance of this chapter. Until I see you, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.
Start a fire.